Last week, we talked about what happens when people come humbly before God and how this amazing, good God would be so willing to forgive. It's in his nature because he's love, because he created us in his image, because he created us in his image, there is value. Because there is value, he's willing to give his life that we could have life. And so just a knock on the door, just opening the door a little, and God is willing to come in. He's so willing. That's last week. As we pause and really look the overview of this series, this uh, ordinary man and extraordinary God, we remember how we started things. Shema Yisrael Adonai Elohenu Adonai Echad. Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It was a prayer that is prayed every day, even still today, uh, throughout Israel especially. The prayer is a reminder not just that God is one, like In and of himself, he's self-united, but also that God is one. He is above all things, but God is one. He is involved in all things, meaning that we don't have to go to a God of this or a God of that, that we can go to one God, Yahweh himself. That is an important distinction as we jump into this passage now. We're in 2 Kings chapter 1. And as you're turning there, I, I want to let you know, we, we don't have slides up today of the passage, and that was done on purpose. I really want to encourage us to bring our Bibles. Uh, it's, it's the Word of God. It's a sword. <laughs> it's the sword of the Spirit, and we want to keep it sharp, and I want to encourage us to get in it and open it up and scroll through it and highlight it and underline things. Um, if you don't have your Bible, that's okay. You might have a phone. Get your phone. I'm going to trust you that you're using it for the Bible and not for Facebook or social media or whatever, okay? I'm trusting you. That's my my step of faith here today. Uh, We're in 2 Kings chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 1 and kind of go through uh, a few verses, talk about them as we go. uh, And then I'm just going to tell you, we're, we're going to ask if what is happening here in 2 Kings, if it can still happen today. And we're going to look into the New Testament and see. And then we're going to use some things we learn in the New Testament and go back to the Old Testament and confirm it. And then we're going to talk about leadership. Oh, it's going to be a fun time. Buckle your seatbelts. Here we go. Verse 1. After the death of Ahab, the most wicked king in Israel, he and his wife Jezebel, Moab rebelled against Israel. Now Ahaziah fell through the lattice in his upper chamber in Samaria and lay sick. Now, let me pause there because you might not know who Ahaziah is. If you go ahead and go from 2 Kings chapter 1, go backwards to 1 Kings chapter 22, verse 51. So the end of that book in 1 Kings, it's going to talk about Ahaziah. We're going to learn a little bit more about him, and I would rather you read Read along with me than me just to tell you. So this is what it says, verse 51. Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, began to reign over Israel and Samaria in the 17th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. And he, reigned, uh, and he reigned two years over Israel. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father, Ahab, and the way of his mother, Jezebel, and in the way of uh, Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. 
He served Baal and worshipped him and provoked the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger in every way that his father had done. Ahaziah is not a great guy. He's not a great leader, at least in terms of Israel and following God. Let's go ahead and look and see what happens when he's laying sick in his bed. So we're back in 2 Kings uh, chapter 2, or chapter 1, verse 2. So he sent messengers telling them, go inquire of Baal-zebub. Pause there. Uh, Some commentators think that this could be a play on words. Could be Baal-zebub, or it could be Baal-zebul. Baal-zebul is like... um, Master on high, exalted one. Okay, so that, that would be Baal-zebul. But what it says here is Baal-zebub, which is interesting because it means Lord of the Flies. Or a little uh, less encouraging is uh, Lord of Dung. That's what it means. Uh, n- not a great thing. But what it implies is this, that this, this God, Baal-zebub, is Lord over death. So the idea, you know, you see flies. Uh, flies are around death. They're around dung. That's the idea here. They're, they understand, this God understands death. Uh, Ahaziah is not sure where his life is going. What's going to happen? Well, we better talk to Beelzebub. He might know, the God of Ekron, uh, whether I shall recover from this sickness. Verse 3. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria, and say to them, Is it because there is no God in Israel that you are going to inquire of Baal-zebub, the god of Ekron? So the, the idea is this. Again, this man is injured. Who would know about death? Oh yeah, that one god in Ekron. Let's go talk to him. Neglecting. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Verse 4. Now therefore, thus says the Lord, you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. So Elijah went. Now Elijah meets the messengers that were supposed to go out to Ekron and seek an answer. He meets them and he tells them exactly what God told him. They go back to Ahaziah. And if you go ahead and jump to verse 9, we'll catch up. Verse 9. Then the king sent to him a captain of 50 with his 50. He went up to Elijah, who was sitting on the top of the hill, and said to him, O man of God, the king says, come down. But Elijah answered the captain of 50, If I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50. Then... Fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. You don't want to be that guy. That's not great. Um, Think about what's happening, though. So Ahaziah is seeking another God. In seeking another God, he's confronted. In his confrontation, he wants to get Elijah. Let's fix this. Let's deal with this. Let's talk to Elijah. I don't know. Maybe there's some, uh, something implied in those scriptures we can only guess. But the idea here is that Elijah's in trouble. And Elijah says, well, okay, well, uh, if I really am a man of God, then let this happen. And it happens. It happens another time. Another captain of 50 comes with his 50, 
and uh, call on Elijah. He does the same thing. They burn up. And then we pick it up in verse 13. And again, the king sent the captain of a third 50 and his 50. How would you like to be that guy? Man, we joined the military together, me and those other two guys, and they got burned up. I don't know that I really want to join in on this one. Maybe, I don't know. Um, And the third captain of 50 went up and came and fell on his knees. This hasn't been done before. Before Elijah and entreated him, O man of God, please let my life and the life of these 50 servants of yours be precious in your sight. Behold, fire came down from heaven and consumed the two former captains of 50 men with their 50s. But now let my life be precious in your sight. Verse 15, then the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, go down with him. Do not be afraid of him. So he arose and went down with him to the king and said to him, thus says the Lord, because you have sent messengers to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, Is it because there is no God in Israel to inquire of his word? Therefore, you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. So he died according to the word of the Lord that Elijah had spoken. Jehoram became king in his place in the second year of Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, because Ahaziah had no son. Now the rest of the acts of Ahaziah that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel? So he dies because of it. Now there are a few things at play. One of those things at play here is the issue of idolatry. You and I perhaps are not um, even interested, like we wouldn't even be tempted to go... uh, to a Hindu temple, for example, and seek another answer. We might not even be temple, or, or <laughs> sorry, I'm a little ahead of myself in my brain. Here we go. We may not even be temple. <laughs> I, thank you, thank you. I really appreciate it. Appreciate it. Tempted, tempted. We may not even be tempted to go to a mosque and get another answer. Like we're not. So what about idolatry, though? Is idolatry a piece of our world? Is it, is it a part of who we are? Well, John Calvin, who was a part of the Reformation, he had this infamous statement, and the statement goes like this. The human heart is an idol factory. Meaning that we have the ability to create idols like this. Like we do it all of the time. But is that true? Go ahead and forward yourself. To 1 John. We're going to look at 1 John chapter 2. As you're turning there, I, I kind of want to set the stage. This, this book of 1 John is so good. It talks about um, why we follow Jesus. We, it identifies that, uh, that John, the disciple, the apostle of Jesus, uh, was there. He knew Jesus. He touched Jesus. He hung around with Jesus. And he's passing this, this life on to this church in such a way that they get it. And he uses all of these stories, like um, uh, familiar relationships to communicate it. And then at the very end of the book, it just says, dear children, keep yourselves from idols. It's like, what? Where did that come from? How did that get in there? Well, chapter 2, verse 15, is going to start, uh, uh, start some clarity for us. So again, we're remembering what Ahaziah did 
He sought another God, an idol. And because he sought that God, that idol, he led other people into death. Verse 15. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. says this. Do not love the world or the things in the world. Stop. I thought the Bible said, for God so loved the world. How does that happen? Do not love the world, but God loved the world. So how does this work? Well, God's talking about people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He's talking about people. He cares about the people of earth. But here, this world, we're going to get some clarity in just a moment that this is about a world system. There's a system of the world that affects us. And this is what it says. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, here it is, world system. If you've got your pen, if you've got your highlighter, get ready. The desires of the flesh. Some of you, your Bibles say the lust of the flesh. And the desires of the eyes or lust of the eyes, some translations will say. And the pride of life or the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but it is from the world. So let's talk about this for a minute. The lust of the flesh. Let's, let's give that a label. This is a label that uh, Peacemaker Ministries talks about. So when they say lust of the flesh, what they're talking about is satisfaction. Satisfaction. When we say lust of the flesh, we're talking about satisfaction. The, we're answering a question, what makes you physically feel good? And then do I need it more than I need God? In practice. Okay, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. Lust of the eyes would be significance, significant. It's, it's how people see me, how, how um, I want to be seen. It could be performance-based. It could be job status. It could be titles. It's significance. And then the boastful pride of life is security, is security. It, it could be wrapped up in the fear of failure. We're answering another question there. Uh, what keeps me safe and secure would be the question we're answering there. So let's see if this, uh, so this is the world system. Do we see this world system lived out anywhere? Is it ever given in, in a narrative anywhere? It is. I'm glad you asked. Thank you for asking. Let's go ahead and go to Genesis. That's all the way in the front. Genesis chapter 3. And we're going to go to verse 6. So uh, you may know this story. There is a tree in the garden that they're forbidden to eat of its fruit. Except for if they do, and that day they will surely die. And this is the narrative that tells that historical truth. Verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, underline that. That sounds like satisfaction to me, the lust of the flesh, and that it was a delight to the eyes, lust of the eyes, significant, significance, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, security. She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, And he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So we see this played out in practice right in the very beginning, that this world system tripped up Adam and Eve, and they chose 
fear over faith. For them in that moment, it was better for them to be like God instead of just with God. They wanted to be like God. And these issues of satisfaction, lust of the flesh, of significance, lust of the eyes, of security, pride of life take effect. And so we have to ask ourselves, does that happen in our own lives? Pastor Matt and I had uh, an extended meeting this week where we did some long-term planning and working together and figuring some stuff out. And it it was really good. But one of the things that we discussed that was, was pretty interesting was this, that leadership always is the ceiling. So what, what we're saying about that is um, we, we can only go to the ceiling of those that we're following. So it's important for that ceiling to be pretty high, right? Because we're bound by that. So what is the ceiling? Well, I don't know, in an, in an effort to maybe keep that ceiling high, I'm, I'm going to share some things that I don't really want to. <laughs> um, but I think it will be beneficial for us. So we're going to talk about idols. Idols were very specific for Ahaziah. But for us, it's a little bit more ambiguous. It would be easier if we could say, oh, no, I, I'm choosing this idol, the statue, or this one. But instead... We choose satisfaction, significance, and security. So satisfaction, let's talk about that. That's the lust of the flesh. Let me, let me give some ideas again. The question is, what makes you physically feel good? Or what is your drug of choice? Might be another way of saying it. It's a fear of discomfort. Let's keep going. It could be, Food, it could be drugs, it could be alcohol, it could be shopping, it could be affection, it could be entertainment, it could be sex, it could be smoking, it could just be fun. It's fun. But whatever it is, it's bigger than God. We put that idol above God. So uh, about a decade ago, uh, I was... I was wrestling through some stuff in our church and, and I, I was catching myself working 55 and 65 and sometimes 70 hours or more and um, I, was, I was real close to exhaustion and I, but I felt this like, I got to stay in there. I got to keep going. I got to keep going. I got I to make this work. And, and what I found myself doing is going by this M&M jar and I was just like every time and it was amazing because it just kept getting filled up, you know, I'd empty that sucker out and it just filled up again. It was uh, magical or something. It was a miraculous thing. I just kept eating that stuff Uh, and other things and other things. And before I knew it, I was in a position where I knew that I couldn't tell people, you can have victory in Jesus while I was clearly letting food be my God. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't eat food. That's not at all what I mean. But I am saying that at that time in my life, it had become God. And so uh, for me, it was my idol. Uh, it uh, It was how I was medicating myself and caring for myself. Oh, it soothed me. It just felt good, you know? Sometimes, sometimes you just need some no-bake cookies, right? Some, sometimes you just need a whole roll of Oreo cookies. You just need those things. Or at least I thought I did. And it comforted me. I, I uh, got some accountability. I uh, did some confessing. 
And over the next six months or so, I lost 50 pounds. I needed to lose 50 pounds. More than that, I needed for food to not be my God. We don't like to talk about that in the West, but it is a real thing. It's a real issue. We can also talk about issues of drugs or alcohol, legal or non-legal drugs, right? Prescription or non-legal drugs. Like, uh, that can become a God. Sex can become a God. Feeling good can become a God, this lust of the flesh. And, and we have this hole that wants that filled, like it should be. But it has to be filled in Christ. More on that later. The next one, lust of the eyes, significance. Uh, this looks like, uh, this is answering the question, who or what determines my worth or value? Oh, I am somebody because people love me. I'm somebody because of my performance. I'm somebody because I'm beautiful. I'm somebody because of uh, the things that I have. I'm somebody because of an education level, who I know or where I live. That's a scary thing. We see this one uh, in the Bible real clearly with a guy named Aaron. Uh, Aaron, by the way, is a, a fascinating study. If you ever get a chance, just look at him. He's most noted as the person who carved the, the um, uh, golden calf, right? I mean, that's, that's how most people think of him. But Aaron is bigger than that. Like, that's the weak side of Aaron. He loved people. In fact, because he loved people... Uh, the, the line of Levites, the priests of Israel, they, they came from his line. He loved people. You see it in a couple different ways. There's this time where Moses goes, I don't, I don't have the words. I stutter. I don't know what to do. Uh, can my brother speak for me? Yep. Yep, he can. Okay, cool. Uh, we're going to let him. And Aaron did. Aaron did. There's another time where God tells Moses that as long as his hands are up, perhaps in an attitude of prayer, that's an assumption, but his hands are up, then Israel's going to win the battle. But if his hands drop, then they're going to lose. Well, you hold your hands up for a while and see how long you can do it. Like that, that hurts after a while. It starts to burn. So it's his brother Aaron who says, I got you, Moses. I'm with you. I'll hold your arm up. You get tired, I'm there. That's Aaron. He's also the guy that feared man. And wants to please man. And because he wants to please man, he makes this golden calf and causes the children of Israel to sin. Significance is a big deal. And it can happen just like that. Just like that. Just like that. And it can happen. And we have to be careful. It's an idol. And it always will be because we have this this hole in our heart that wants to be filled and significance can be a part of that. And if I just had this thing or this stuff or people saw me this way, that way, it work out great. But it doesn't. It's empty. More on that later. Security, the pride of life. The pride of life, this answers the question, what keeps you safe and secure? This could be perfectionism, a fear of failure. Oh, if I fail, then I'm not secure and people will think poorly of me. And, or maybe it's our own accomplishments or the accomplishments of family members. Or maybe it's possessions or wealth or money in the bank or a job. It can be a lot of things, but whatever it is, it's that thing that we put above God. 
yes, I want God and this, which was the problem in Israel in 2 Kings. <laughs> we'll take God and we'll take Baal. We'll take God and we'll take Asherah. That's the problem. Now, what I'm not saying is that uh, we shouldn't have stuff. Like, it's not bad to have money in your savings account. It's not bad uh, to have food. It is not bad to uh, care about what people think. Like, that's not bad. But when we start to put it above God, that becomes a problem. When we're willing to sin and break relationship with one another and specifically with God, then it's definitely a problem. And I want to suggest that it has become a problem for everyone. So what do we do with it? Um, Just because of time, I I don't have the ability to go through all these scriptures, but I'm going to list them. If you're a note taker, you want to write these down. If you're not a note taker, then you can listen to it later and get it. But here's what it is. Satisfaction. Uh, We're not going to get it in all of the stuff. It's not going to happen in food. It's not going to happen in drugs. It's not going to happen in alcohol. It's not going to happen in sex. It's not going to, like that is not going to fill that void. It has to be filled by God. And that filling by God has to be a real thing. This is not just like the spiritual answer that we say because we're in church. It can't be that. Psalm 103.5 talks about God being our satisfaction. Philippians 4.11, God is our satisfaction. Matthew 6, 25 30 through 34 God is our satisfaction, and it's played out in those passages, and we see it over and over again. And until we get to that place where we can say, you know, even if I don't get these things and this stuff, I have God. I'm willing to go to God. Instead of this jar of M&Ms, Lord, I'm starting to see this. I'm tempted. I want to do this. I need you, not an extra portion or six. Significance. Similarly, God has to be our significance. I I love what the scriptures say about our relationship with God. Neil Anderson in in, uh, his book, Freedom in Christ, has like these 33 things, who we are in Christ. I, I used to have that. I put it up on my mirror for a long time because I just like, I don't see myself like that, but but you see me as significant, God? You see me as someone you love? You see me as a friend? God, that's how you see me as a disciple, a follower of you. You see me as someone who's been born again, who's been redeemed. You look at me like you look at your your son, Jesus. I've been clothed in righteousness. I, I have all the riches in Christ Jesus in the heavenlies. I'm a citizen of heaven. Oh, my. That's a different story. God is our significance. And you can find that in 1 John 3, 1, Galatians 3, 28 through 37, and 1 Peter 1, 18 through 19. And how about security? Can God be our security? God, either I'm going to trust you or I'm going to trust things and stuff. Now, there are, there, there are things that God gives us and we want, to, we want to be wise. Like maybe you want to lock your doors. Like that's probably a good idea. But ultimately, are we trusting God with that? Ultimately, are we trusting God with that? Romans 8, 38 and 39. Proverbs 1, 7. And also 29, uh, 25. Chapter 29, verse 25. Talks about this. Anytime we elevate satisfaction, significance, and security above God, it's an idol. And it can happen that quick. Because it just so happens that we have this hole. 
and we want to fill it. And our hearts are idol factories. So be wise. Be careful. Now, Ahaziah had another issue. And his other issue is this. Leadership. (laughs) Did you catch that? He led Israel astray. Not just Israel astray, but there were at least 100 people who died because of his decision making. Died. And you go, well, yeah, that's bad. But that's in the Bible. But I would ask, how many people have died because of our own decision making? And I don't just mean like they're no longer breathing. I mean their eternity went to hell because we didn't tell the truth. We didn't worship our God. We led them to satisfaction. We led them to significance. We led them to security. You might be thinking, well, I'm not a leader. John Maxwell, he says that if you influence anybody, you're a leader. By extension, you are leading. So who are we leading? Who are those people in your life? And I I would just ask you to pause right now and think through that. Like, who are those people and how am I leading them? Am I leading them to judgment by God or am I leading them to redemption by God? Who is it? This passage is an eye-opener. And it's pretty scary, to be honest with you. But we have a responsibility to respond in faith. Because the world around us, I, I think, is looking for it. Like, I just, I just need to see something real, something genuine, something honest, something that's transformative. I need to see it. I think our communities are yelling out for it. And if it would start in our hearts and would go into our homes, it would go into our churches, it would go into our communities, it would go into our region, it would go into our state, it would go into our country, and perhaps the world. And I think God is big enough to do that. I believe that with all my heart, or I wouldn't be here. So what's it going to be for you? As the worship team comes, and uh, we, we have two more songs we're going to be singing. I want to encourage you to pause and ask yourself those questions. Um, Are there any idols in my life? And if there are, ask the Holy Spirit to convict you and to repent. And we know that God is faithful and just to forgive us of all our sin, of all unrighteousness. He'll cleanse us of that unrighteousness. He's a restoring God and he cares about us. Join me in prayer. Lord God, we love you. We thank you and we praise you. We ask, Almighty God, that you would be exalted and lifted up even here today. Father, I, I, I just, I would ask that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand. This is not a fun topic, but it's necessary. And so, Lord, help us to see if there's some places that we've gone for satisfaction that's not you, help us to see it. If there are places that we've gone for significance that's not you, help us to see it. If there's security that we've been looking for outside of you, help us to see it. That we wouldn't lead others in those same directions. And Lord, help us to identify tangible ways that we can walk forward with you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen.